The Start On Demand. On demand. Barack Obama is in Winnipeg tonight. We'll hear from the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, who lobbied hard to get Obama here. And we'll hear from the guy in charge of the former president's security during his visit to our city. Speaking of our city, the Manitoba Heavy Construction Association is upset about the reduced spending on roads in the city's just-announced budget. After what felt like an extended slump, the Winnipeg Jets appear to be clicking at last. And I had a Steve Harvey moment over the weekend while hosting a charity boxing event at Kingswood Golf and Country Club, and all I could do really was say, whoops. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Monday, March 4th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Coming up on our next segment, I will tell you about my Steve Harvey moment that I had over the weekend while hosting a charity boxing event at Kingswood Golf and Country Club. And in a moment, we're going to hear from the guy who does security for Barack Obama, who is in Winnipeg tonight. But we start with this. Hey. What? I just want to take another look at you. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. So, Mackling, you watched A Star is Born over the weekend. Yeah, but I didn't hear this song. Why's that? Cried like a baby, like I figured I would. Okay. Never heard that song. Okay. Never saw Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. Didn't see Bradley Cooper or Lady Gaga. What the hell movie were you watching? What were you watching? Barbara Streisand and Chris Chris Robertson are really good. (laughs) Can you imagine how many people rented the wrong one? Was the the other one available? I don't know. No, I watched the real one and I absolutely loved it. I could not get over Bradley Cooper's guitar playing ability. Mm. Never mind the singing. Yeah. Because I understand he learned to play guitar as well for this role. Absolutely fantastic. The story... I knew how it ended, so it was difficult to keep my composure throughout watching the movie. But oh man, I didn't know Powerful how it ended. Story. I mean, I was you're watching, you see where it's going. But sure, sure. Well, here's a couple of other observations I had. How many words does Bradley Cooper even say? Like, it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of dialogue. It speaks slowly very measured, speaks in smaller sentences, but I found it super powerful in my effort to find out how many words he in fact spoke in the movie. I did find out that there was one word that was quite <laughs> prominent in the script. Okay. The F word. Uh-huh. Um, Bradley Cooper uses it 54 times himself. Wow. And a hundred. I don't remember it feeling like it had yeah, that many swears 19 to times. It. 19 times in that one scene. Maybe it's because his voice is so raw and garbled, but you don't hear it. <laughs> but but uh, lots of people using that terminology and uh, suggesting that they should pull pieces from that movie and use it as ASMR audio oh. because it is so deep and slow and yeah. drawn it's like so low. I can't even, I've got my oh, chin jutted un- out. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, low. I can only imagine how many people watched it this weekend. If you haven't seen it yet, and take it's, advantage. It's yeah. on pay-per-view and back in the theater, right? Just for the week up until I guess Thursday will be your last chance to see the extended 
version of that. So I'm curious to see if there will be a home release for the Encore version as well. But uh, you can see it in theaters, and I'm really tempted to go back and check it out. So... If you don't have tickets to see Barack Obama tonight at Bell MTS Place, then your next best chance of catching a glimpse of him, I guess, will be as his motorcade passes through Winnipeg, Loren. Mm-hmm. The former U.S. president is in Winnipeg as part of his tour. It's called A Conversation with President Barack Obama. I'm interested to see, Greg, how the conversation goes in front of 12,000 people. I've never been to something with it's just one person talking but inside an arena, right? So that's going to be kind of cool. But security is expected to be tight if you're going. You're asked to be there an hour before the event starts at 6. But Sergeant Chris Wilkie says if they're doing their job right, you shouldn't really notice them. Wilkie is with the RCMP. They're in charge of tonight's security detail once Obama lands. And he says they've spoken to the Secret Service to learn a bit more about what the former U.S. president likes and doesn't like when it comes to his security detail. But Wilkie says no matter who they're protecting, it's all really a balancing act. We want to try and make sure that they're visible and and accessible, uh, but we don't want them stifled uh, with security. Uh, We we try to stay a little bit further away from them, uh, but we also read the crowds and see what the crowds are doing. Uh, If the crowds are starting to move in or close in, uh, then we'll move more security out in front of them so we can keep the the crowd away a little bit. And, And that gives everyone the opportunity to see and take photos and that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, the, the, the human nature is, is the curiosity side. And the other part of human nature is crowd psychology. Uh, so when groups kind of gather together, if one guy reaches out to touch him, um, then everyone thinks that they want to do that. And that, you know, you have a cascade of, of issues that happen then. So we try to make sure that we can save, uh, stave that off before... Um, that happens and it allows us to to try and be in front of them uh, but not hide them how many tickets left greg when i checked it just before six o'clock there were 24 tickets available and those were in the back two rows on the floor all the seats in the in the lower bowl and the upper bowl that were made available are sold out what's it cost for those floor seats I didn't check. It was like 200 bucks. Yeah, was it? 176 yeah. or something plus plus fees, if uh, memory serves. So uh, Michelle Obama, I double-checked that. There are, I think, four seats or six seats available on the floor. And she's in Edmonton? Uh, Edmonton, I checked in St. Paul because okay. that's considerably closer. $899 U.S. for those Ooh. floor seats for Michelle Obama. This is Obama mm-hmm. getting some change there. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have any other events in Winnipeg. That's Barack Obama we're talking about. So Sergeant Wilkie says when he lands at the airport, he's likely going to make his way right to Bell MTS Place. It'll be um, similar to, to a hockey game. You know, it, it won't uh, it won't appear any different. Uh, we'll have a few people standing around, um, uh, you know, providing site security there. Uh, a number of, of uniformed and, and uh, non-uniformed uh, members, uh, plain clothes members, uh, and it 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 allows us to to get a reading of what the crowd's doing, uh, and and it also allows us to know if we have enough resources in a specific area. Uh, But it will be just like a hockey game. One thing I thought Wilkie said that was interesting, and we'll play it later in the show if we get a chance, is that it's not just about, you know, making sure everyone's safe, including the former president, but trying to prevent those embarrassing moments. He referenced, remember when I think Chrétien got a pie in the face 15 or 20 years ago? Charlottetown, 2000. Yeah, and so, you know, they're also watching for not just those security threats, but someone just trying to go out of their way to make someone look bad. Hard job.
Over the weekend, I uh, I got to do something pretty cool at Kingswood Golf and Country Club. They held their second annual charity boxing night, and I spent a lot of time golfing there over the weekend or over the summer. And they said, "Hey, you want to do this boxing thing?" I'm like, "Yes, that's cool." Because I I got to be like the ring announcer, and I have always wondered. Let's get ready to rumble. Yeah, well, I didn't want to because I know they can be finicky with that <laughs> stuff in terms of well, yeah. lawsuits. So I didn't do the I didn't all the say, way like, up here. Someone would ah, see. Who you? knows okay. if it gets on video? I don't know. So I I didn't say that, but I I think I, I went with. Are you ready for fight night at Kingswood? Nice, nice, nice. In the red corner. So that was cool uh, because I got, I've always wondered what it would be like to do that. Could I do it? Your and inner I, Michael Buffer came out, eh? Well, for me, I was I was channeling more Howard Finkel from WW, back oh, okay. in the WWE, WWF yep. days. Uh, but so that was, that was a thrill for me to get to do that. And it was, uh, the event was in support of Pan Am Place, which is, as you know, Greg and Loren, an organization that works to help at-risk young men. They're fighting harder against homelessness. So there were 14 fights on this card. It was a big deal. You know, they set up this boxing ring in the middle of the clubhouse at the golf at the at Kingswood, and uh, I didn't really know exactly what I would be doing when I got there. But they handed me the card and said, you're going to introduce the fighters. And there were different boxing clubs there, Pan Am Boxing Club, Alliance, uh, Peak Performance in this corner, Stingers Boxing Academy. And like they, they were, they meant business. There were different kinds of fights. There was a challenge division, which they kind of just, they, the officials likened it to like Timbits, where it was like, yeah. no, no one was declared a winner. There were sparring demonstrations, there were exhibition fights, but there were some real fights as well. So when the first real fight happened, the at the end of the fight, it went to a judge's decision. It was three rounds, and there was no knockout, so it went to the judges. So the ref went and picked up all the cards, and then he, he looked at them all, and then he came over to me and just quietly said, it's blue by unanimous decision. So then I was announced the winner by unanimous decision, the blue corner, whatever. The next fight, it was a different ref because the refs alternated, and so that ref who had told me who won went to the judges table so the ref for the next fight when the fight ends he gets all the cards and then he hands them in and then he goes and stands in the middle of the ring with the boxers and i'm kind of standing there like who won the fight i don't know what's going on here <laughs> he didn't whisper the result like no, the previous yeah. ref he had. didn't come over to me oh, and say anything no. So I look down at the judges' table. They're not saying anything. But to you've me. got these cards in your hand. Not yet. Oh, not They've yet. They handed okay. the cards to the to the officials. So I say to the ref, just out loud on the microphone, like, uh, "Are you going to tell me who won?" And he says, "No." And so I look down at the judges' table. I said, "Well, now the tension is killing me because I have no idea who won this <laughs> fight, and these fighters are waiting to find out what happened." So he he hastily hands me the the card. And I look at it, and it says split, like he's circled split decision. Right. So I have a basic understanding of boxing. In that moment, I was nervous. Didn't quite get what split decision meant. So I just saw split decision and figured, oh, it's a draw. So I said, it's a split decision. Yeah. And, and I just uh, made a face there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so the congratulations to both athletes. <laughs> Tashin from the Alliance Club and Landon Broom from Brandon Boxing. There are no ties oh in boxing. Oh, my God. The, <laughs> the wrath that fell upon me from the, the coach from Brandon Boxing is screaming at me to my right. Oh, who won? 
who won the fight? And then I look over and the coach from Alliance says, yeah, who won? And people are booing me <laughs> in the crowd. And I'm just like, oh. I, 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 I don't know. And then the, even the official says, well, what did I circle on the card? So I look at it again and it said blue. So I had to say, okay, I'm sorry. It's the blue corner, Landon Broom from Brandon Boxing. Sorry about that. And then I had usually to... they give you the scores though, like on a card for the announcer. You know, the the judge so and so scores it. Blah, 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 you know, yeah. and so you know you'll you'll read the first two scores because they'll be for each boxer, and then the third score of the judge will determine the winner. But they should have given you that. Well, and I, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to point any fingers at anybody. I think well, they, no, they, they were probably but... they were probably trying to keep it easy. I feel easy. like this made it more interesting. Like, it added yeah. to the drama of the night. Well, Plus, we... they got out their aggressions. If they lost, they can now be mad at you. You must have been worried yeah. to oh. sneak out the back door before you the event You could have gone into a over. fight and been just like Clay Young. I was, <laughs> I was concerned that, they, like, because they, were they weren't just, like, Oh, come on, dude. The people were mad at me. Well, Why would no one before the thing explain to you the process? Well, and I, I like went. Where you, they I would have said at the end of the fight, this is what happens. I went and found the judges after and uh, during intermission and said, look, guys, I'm sorry I screwed that up, but I have never done this. So you just yeah. tell me. You got to just tell me who won the fight. Yeah. Kelly mentioned Michael Buffer. It was just a couple of years ago Michael Buffer announced the wrong winner. So at exactly. least you didn't announce the wrong winner. That would be even more disastrous than what happened here. You handled it the right way. As opposed to making up who won, you stood there and said, "I don't understand the information you've given me." Yeah. I think you, I think you handled it way better mm-hmm. yeah. than Warren Beatty did. La la land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just made up. He just made up. Oh. He passed it to Faye Dunaway and made her do it. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. I, did, I had a similar situation, but I did it the wrong way, Brett. Years ago, uh, I was in the slow pitch league in Manitoba or in Altona. It was just the men's town slow pitch league. It was just beefy farmers hitting home runs all beefy day long. Beefy farmers, yeah. <laughs> so, but all these guys in my grade twelve class at the time it was like, "Hey, let's join the league. We'll start a team." And we just got clobbered every single time. And in the league, you had to take turns umpiring. If your team wasn't playing, you guys were the refs that week for all the other games. So I was like the second base umpire for this game, and I wasn't paying any attention to the game at all. I didn't care at all. And then there was this. Dramatic, uh, trying to throw out the runner at second thing, which I wasn't watching. I was just looking at the birds in the sky. All of a sudden, everyone in the bar park stared at me. Well, is he is he out or safe? And I was just like, oh. And I just go, you're out. <laughs> I had no idea. And there, and everyone, both teams got mad at me because the guy was clearly safe, I guess. But I was just like, well, whatever you asked, so I gave you an answer. <laughs> they didn't make. I didn't have to ref any games after that. It's like Leslie Nielsen in the Naked Gun, where he's the umpire. He had to remember he had to sneak in there. Yeah. And uh, they're looking for him to make the call, and he's like, strike. Because <laughs> uh, he didn't know. Question mark strike. <laughs> You were on a social, Greg, and you had something else. Oh, uh, yeah. I was. It was the first social I'd ever been as a DJ, but it was a protege. So I was learning from the, oh. from the, from the, from the big guy, the guy that, that should know. It wasn't Tony Braccio from Crystal Sound, but it was one of their longtime DJs. Just go and watch what he does. Do what he does. Okay? So... I, it turned out I knew a bunch of the people at the social, and so it was very comfortable with what was going on. Equipment was fairly easy to work, and so it comes time for the first dance. And so the DJ that I'm working with uh, introduces and welcomes welcomes the couple for their very first dance. Now, the social is at the German Hall. Now, think about where that is. 
in the north end of Winnipeg. And the DJ says, please welcome, for the first dance of the night, Flora and Charles. <laughs> he was reading off the ticket. The hall is at the intersection of Flora and Charles. That's awesome. Uh, just, oh. Kelly, we got about 30 seconds left here, but you've probably emceed a whole bunch of things, too, in your day. Anything oh, come to mind? Where you... you know, I was scratching and clawing to try to come up with a great story. I, I can't even come close to yours, and especially Bronner's. Like, <laughs> I've done a lot of bumping <laughs> in my day. I guess the one thing that I did do, I had a parent that was uh, giving me an earful. I was uh, umping hardball. Or baseball, rather. And so in between innings, I decided I would go around in behind the uh, uh, the backstop and sit beside the parent. So the pitcher's there, the catcher's there, hitter's at the plate, and they're going, what's going on with the eyes? I said, well, this guy has spent all day telling me he's got a better view of the plate than I do, so I thought I'd, I thought I'd call this in from here. <laughs> Crowd loved it. The supervisor didn't. <laughs> you made great. your point, Kelly Moore. I like that a lot. If you've got a similar story, you can text us, 204-780-6868. And again, my apologies to anybody who was at the event at Kingswood. You know, you, you, you got asked to do something. You want to make sure you do a good job. So I felt like I let them down when I... Screwed no. it up. You it's should have memorable. seen what was going on in Vegas, though, with the bookies after you screwed up. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Many, oh, wait, come back! <laughs> they, they put on a great show, too. The fights were tremendous. It was really cool to be a part of a boxing night. I'd never done something like that. So thanks for having me out. We start this half hour on the roads of Winnipeg. Yeah, we've had a few days now to digest how Winnipeg plans to spend your money in the coming year. The budget that was released on Friday includes that promised 2.33% property tax hike, which is lower than what was speculated. But in exchange for, I guess you can spin it, fewer dollars out of your pocket, there's still more money coming out of your pocket. The mayor says they had no choice but to decrease spending on road repairs. Brian Bowman says they made that choice because they didn't want taxpayers to shoulder what he's calling an $85 million funding shortfall from the province, but that comes at the expense of smoother roads. So we're going to find out later this week what the province plans to spend on a whole host of things, including infrastructure, when it releases its budget on Thursday. But road spending from both levels of governments is down year over year. Chris Lawrence is with the Manitoba Heavy Construction Association and joins us on the phone now to discuss this further. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you? We're good. How are you might be the question. You were visibly upset on Friday. Is it just about what the city is funding when it comes to road repairs? Or do you have a bigger concern about what all levels of government are putting in? Well, I mean, I I think that over the last two, three years, what we're witnessing in this province is the mangling of infrastructure budgets. And it's going to hurt Manitobans. It's going to hurt the system upon which we rely to move people to jobs and products to market. It's going to exponentially increase the cost of repairing and maintaining our infrastructure. And we're now caught in the middle of a political football game between the city and the province. And it's the taxpayer who's getting hurt, and we should all be irritated by all of this. Chris, politicians uh, seem to understand for the last better part of a decade that infrastructure was the top priority outside of health care in this province. Why is that falling on deaf ears suddenly? Well, more important, the public understands that infrastructure is a priority because without infrastructure, we have no economy upon which we earn incomes 
which we then use to sustain our, our quality of life. Uh, it is astonishing to me that an agreement that was signed in 2012 or 2013 now is the subject of disagreement in terms of liability. And if there's a political game being played by the province, shame on the province. And if it's a $40 million mistake by the city, then shame on the city. But the reality is the $40 million should not be paid on the back of the construction worker in this province. That is That should be unacceptable to any fair-thinking individual. So should the city have raised taxes then to make up for this shortfall? You know, I'm not going to sit uh, in, a, in, a, in a chair and tell them how they should fix the problem. They have all of the details. They have all of the inner workings of the city's finances. But to suggest that it's unacceptable for the province to put this $40 million loss on the back of taxpayer, which is the opening statement made by the city, and then say that that $40 million will be paid for by reduced work for the construction industry is not fair either. What does that reduced work mean for the construction industry? How many kilometers of roads are we talking? I mean, is this a severe job loss hit when you're talking this kind of money? If if you're looking in the first two years, a $40 million reduction, that's 40 kilometers of road, assuming a million dollars per kilometer of new road, more roads if you're talking about rehabilitation. That's number one. Number two, you're looking at roughly 30 to 40 percent of every project going to worker income. So 30 to 40 percent of $40 million is not an insignificant sum of money. Third, the very people who are our friends, neighbors, family members, Uh, colleagues in the city who are the workers and doing the work are now going to face significant shortfall in terms of the hours that they get, in terms of the incomes that they make. Their families are going to be under stress. You know, I don't want to make this like a a poor me song, but but when you face 55% reduction in the highways program, 85% reduction in municipal programs, and now a 32% reduction in one year alone, uh, in the city's street budget, that's going to hurt people and it's going to hurt it for the, hurt them for all of the wrong reasons. Now, those numbers, those percentages that you indicated, those first two are provincial responsibilities. Correct. Can you delve into Correct. those a little bit deep, deeper, Chris? Well, 50, 55% represents the under-expenditure and reduction in the highways program budget. 85% is the amount by which the rural um, uh, roads program was reduced by the province. So right there, you've got huge income and impacts on the heavy construction industry, quite apart from the fact that our highways and bridges are facing a $9 billion investment deficit. And at $350 million a year, which is what the highways program is, we are knowingly adding about $175,000 of additional infrastructure investment deficit annually to the highway system makes absolutely no sense. I don't want to correct you, but I think I should. I think you meant $175 million, not $175,000. It's a massive number. It's $175 million, that is correct. And that's an annual amount that we're adding to the investment deficit, which grows exponentially because we all know if you delay repair and maintenance, all you're doing is you're increasing the costs. And here all we're doing is we're passing those costs on to our successors. Not smart. All right, Chris Lawrence with the Manitoba Heavy Construction Association joining us live on 680 CJOB. Chris, thank you very much. 
Thank you very much. But where do you get the cash? This is a good question, right? You talk about that huge number for deficit, and they, even in the city budget this year, they've delayed spending money on Arlington Bridge, and I think it's Louise Bridge. Arlington's over 100 years old. They don't have any money for that yet. Like, But they're talking hundreds of millions to replace or repair bridges. That's just a... I don't, I don't, if I was looking at that budget, I don't know where you're you're pulling out $100 million. Well, Brian Bowman told us in the last couple of months that the city, in terms of the credit card limit, is close to about $150 million. It's about all they have left that they can borrow under the current structure that they have. Uh, you're not building any Arlington Street overpasses with that amount of money. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Greg, should I just fire this clip here? Do it. What do you think? I hope we don't go to war. Excuse me, stewardess. Is there a movie on this flight? (laughs) My name's Dewey Oxberger. My friends call me Ox. I'm a mom. I'm your Uncle Buck. Gus Polinski, Polka King of the Midwest. Del Griffin, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. (laughs) You remember me? Today today marks the 25th anniversary of Canadian comedy star John Candy's death. But his family and friends say it feels like he's still around. Of course, Candy's legacy lives on through the impact of sketch comedy series SCTV, the revered films including Splash, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. As children say, their father is still fresh in the minds of many fans who often regale them with tales of meeting him or watching his movies. Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds tweeted out the video tribute we are hearing right now. It was created by Candy's daughter Jen and son Chris. The video has been seen over 4.5 million times. Candy died on March 4th, 1994, after suffering a heart attack while shooting the film Wagons East in Durango, Mexico. He was 43. While he died young, he made a huge mark on the lives of his co-workers, who describe him as incredibly warm and authentic with everyone around him, despite his massive fame. And you get that warmth, I think, is the perfect word, because no matter what kind of a character he was playing, when he laughs, you just hear that genuine warmth. Like, it's not a performance. That's just... He's just John Candy. That's why I think everyone just, you could, you, like, even this, like, some of those scenes in some of those movies were so outrageous, but they were so relatable because he really was. Like, you looked at him just like any other, he would be a friend sitting next to you on the couch. Well, my favorite character he did was not in the movies, it was in SCTV, Mm. and it was Johnny LaRue. That laugh. (laughs) It was so good, and it was put on, yes, but it was, there was so much candy in it, and, and, yeah, and, and, of course, John Candy came to Winnipeg in 1991 as part owner of the Toronto Argonauts. He was so good to people in the city. And legend has it that he ordered pierogies from Alicia's restaurant that was in the North End at the time uh, for years after that. Really? Yeah, yeah. Up oh. until for a while, three or three years up until his passing. So uh, John Candy, just a real special, special man in terms of Canadian comedy and and comedic brilliance uh, overall. I will still, if, and it comes on off and Uncle Buck will be on TV. Impossible and, to turn it and, off. And with commercials, like you'll sit through the commercials, you, you know you could order it like yeah. on demand or like get it online somewhere and you're, you know what, it's just, it's just meant to be watched this way. I confess, I have not seen Uncle Buck oh. since I was a child. It's on TV so often. I, I'm going to have to look for it today. I'm going to go home and ask Blue Sky, 
Hey, Blue Sky, when's Uncle Buck on? And Great Outdoors actually played just the other day, too. With Dan Aykroyd? Yeah. That's a, good, that, that's a fun movie also. That's another good one I haven't seen since I was a kid. Oh, my God. I, I know what I'm doing today. Oh, but isn't your PVR already too full for you to handle? Oh, it's a new PVR, oh, right. so it's not quite full yet. I forgot. That's right. <laughs> Fresh start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> start this half hour with Barack Obama. He lands in Winnipeg, the former U.S. president. I don't think we know what time, but we know he is here today for his tour, a conversation with Barack Obama. That conversation in front of 12,000 Manitobans starts at 6 p.m. But before that, a select few actually get to meet Barack Obama in person. It's all part of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce VIP reception. And to tell us more, we're joined by Chamber President Lauren Remillard. Good morning, Lauren. Morning. Okay, so how many people get to come to this? Uh, I can't go into a lot of those details just due to the security, but uh, there is, uh, we're pleased to, of course, be hosting the VIP reception meet and greet with the president. And uh, he, this is part of something that he does in, in each of his speaking engagements across the country. But as you can imagine, security is, uh, is a key consideration for us, so we're not at liberty to really dis- divulge a lot of details, but it's a, a small group. Lauren, is there a little bit of a handbook that went out to those that will be uh, potentially meeting and interacting with the president in terms of how to address him, how to how to look, uh, not touch? I, I'm not not sure what the rules might be. Well, there wasn't, uh, you know, a playbook per se. There are some some, you know, in terms of photography and and so forth. Uh, definitely some rules around that, but uh, most people know to address him as Mr. President. Um, but other than that, not a lot of rules uh, concerning those kind of items, but uh, there is one, just enjoy yourself, have some fun. This is a great event for Winnipeg. We're really excited. Uh, the day has finally arrived. It's going to be pretty hard for people. Is, is, a, is there a no selfie rule? Uh, that would be one of them. <laughs> there is a professional photographer in the room, so uh, we'll, we'll keep those photos professional and leave the selfie sticks at home. And in terms of getting to be a part of this VIP meet and greet, is this one of those things where you had to kind of shell out some extra cash, or uh, how did that work? Again, you know, there are various organizations as a chamber that we work extensively with partners and supporters. Uh, Some of those kind of considerations go into play, definitely. But uh, as you can imagine, that's another one of those areas that we're really not at liberty to divulge. We are pleased, though, that one of the things that's very important to the chamber is that we look at this opportunity as a great opportunity for our city, in particular for our youth. I mean, really, the president's presidency really spoke to engaging and empowering the youth. And as many people have learned, we do have a number of students that will be participating in this, thanks to the support of uh, the Johnson Group, Dave Angus, and uh, working with the chamber. We were pleased to make this happen, and we just know how excited those kids are to have to meet the president. So obviously the the number of children or young people in the audience will be somewhat limited, not for any other reason than the the tickets were were fairly expensive. What is the other benefit to the community hosting an event like this, Lauren, other than the wow factor and the star, star power? You know, when other events take a look at, is Winnipeg an event that can host an event of this magnitude? Do they have the support, corporate support, ticket support? Is there an energy and a buzz in the community? Each time we do one of these events, it makes the next event possible. And I remember when we first brought, for example, uh, uh, Senator Hillary Clinton in just prior to her announcing her run for presidency, 
uh, people were ecstatic, couldn't believe Winnipeg got Hillary Clinton. And again, event like that, events like bringing in Richard Branson, make all that possible to be able to go after a speaker of the magnitude of President Barack Obama. So the benefit to our city is, of course, the today. We know we're going to have a number of tours coming into town to attend the event, but as well, the further events that we're now going to be able to go out and say, hey, we can host President Barack Obama. I think we can host your event. Is that key then, uh, proving that we can sell out an event like this? I think there's only a handful of seats left because it's not just about what happens tonight, but the future down the road and making Winnipeg kind of a marquee location. Absolutely. And that's a big part of what we're doing is is trying to showcase our city to an international audience to show that Winnipeggers can rise to the occasion and saying, yeah, we're a world-class city. We have world-class speakers come in here. And when we do, we support it en masse. And I believe uh, Bell MTS uh, released a, a note saying that these tickets were one of the fastest selling tickets they've had for any event in years. We had anticipated that, but it was nice to hear that again, validated by the venue. Uh, there's just a lot of excitement, and we know that that will translate going forward. Lauren, uh, Lauren Remillard is president of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Lauren, I interrupted you there. Go no ahead. problem. I just thought because you're part of the host committee, uh, you will get to meet him and shake his hand. Have you thought about a question that you have for him? Is there something particular you'd like to you know, learn or glean from the former U.S. president? Uh, you know, uh, you know I, I've been asked that a few times, and I, I really haven't come up with anything uh, other than just thank you for, for coming to Winnipeg. We're pleased to host you. So I should probably think of something a little bit more insightful, but uh, I, I still got some time. How hard did you guys have to lobby to get the president to include Winnipeg on the tour? Uh, it took us over a year of discussions with uh, the event organizer and so forth. But again, some of that is just logistics and so forth. But uh, definitely something that we've been working on for working on for an extensive period of time. And uh, again, so for us, we're just so excited that this event is has hap- is happening, and the day has finally arrived. So uh, Barack Obama, forty fourth president of the United States, should we expect to Correct. see a picture of Barack Obama in a Josh Morrissey Winnipeg Jets jersey <laughs> at some point tomorrow? I hear he's quite a Chicago Blackhawks fan, so I don't know. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. I guess that could be one of the uh, things people are looking forward to: is will he or won't he? It's an interesting dynamic that we have ongoing tonight. I mean, it's taking place in a rink. you got 12,000 people, but it's a conversation with one person. Have you been watching how this has unfolded in other cities in terms of, okay, so if I don't have tickets to this meet and greet, but I am going to the main event tonight, what, what will we hear from him? How does it work? Well, it's a moderated fireside chat, so it'll really be uh, two people on stage having a conversation, but if anyone's taken part in previous conversations, uh, events with President Barack Obama, you feel like you're in a living room with him having a conversation. He is very engaging. Obviously, there's a reason why he is the most sought-after speaker in the world today, because he's able to do that with 12,000 people. You feel like you're sitting on that couch with him and having that conversation with him. And I believe, again, can't go into a lot of the details, but he, we're anticipating that he will run the gamut, everything from his early years formative influences in his life that helped him propel him to the presidency, some thoughts on his term, his two terms as president, um, and uh, perhaps a, a little glimpse into current state of affairs. All right, Lauren Remillard, joining us live on 680 CJOB. He is the president of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. Lauren, thank you for the time.
Thank you very much. Take care. Conversation with Barack Obama. What if he comes out in a Chicago Blackhawks jersey with the name Taves on the back? That's good enough, That, right? that works for yeah. me. I'm A-OK with that one. I'll work with that. Uh, President, Former President Barack Obama's fee, fee for speaking, uh, rumored to be around $400,000 U.S. per event. Whoa! $400,000? I heard... I think I heard the number 250 bandied about, but uh, that's, I guess he's doing okay. Doing that's, all right. Post-presidency. Uh, is that rock star money? That's less than rock. I mean, if you're Taylor Swift, you're getting paid a lot more than that to come. I would think the, the numbers are fairly similar, mm. but if you're doing 33000 at $100 a head plus at IGF, Taylor Swift might be taking more money than, than Barack Obama, but she has to share it with the band and the road crew. It's just Barack. Wow. It's a lot of dough. And whoever puts the fireplace up for the fireside Oh, yeah, I forgot about that fireplace guy. <laughs> Is there a faux fireplace? That was my next question. <laughs> 745 on 680 CJOB. If you are going to the show tonight and you won those tickets from 680 CJOB, congratulations. We hope you enjoy it. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and more. Kelly Moore is here to talk about the Winnipeg Jets. little consternation in Jets land over the last couple of weeks as we were heading into the trade deadline. Kelly, the Jets made some moves, and it looks as though they may be paying off. The Jets scoring 10 goals in their last two games or having difficulty putting the puck in the net. Granted, three empty net goals between the 5-3-1 Friday against Nashville and then last night four-goal performance from Blake Wheeler. But let's go back to Friday really quick. Yeah. Could we argue that the Winnipeg Jets won their first playoff game of the year? I would suggest that it certainly had that kind of a feel to it. And when they fell behind 2 nothing, uh, one of the things I always look for, does the team start to panic? Do they start to do things that they normally would not do? And Winnipeg did not stray away from that one iota. Now, uh, I thought it was significant that they were able to get the power play goal from Mark Shifley to get going again in that game after the disallowed goal. You know, so they there there are certain things that are happening here that they're not allowing themselves to get derailed by. You know, and last night was another one of those scenarios where Connor Hellebuck gets called on a very questionable delay of the game penalty and that you know rather than getting sidetracked by it they kill off the penalty and go on and win the hockey game so they're you know those are just little snapshots but collectively they tell you that this team uh, probably has put their February follies behind them what do you think of Kevin Hayes so far I like his composure. I like the way he controls the puck along the boards, distributes the puck. Uh, he warned us he was a pass-first kind of guy. He's he's shown that off a little bit. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I would also like to uh, you know see him uh, become a pass-first, now shoot the puck guy like Blake <laughs> Wheeler was last night. Uh, but yeah, you know everything that Hayes has done uh, was as advertised. You know, I don't. I think what we weren't expecting was for a guy like Nathan Beaulieu to come in. And play, you know, high up, you know, upper teens minutes and look as solid as he has. Because the knock on him coming out of both Montreal and Buffalo was that, you know, yeah, he could play, but he wasn't always consistent enough. And and now it is just three games, but so far, 
there's been three very consistent games. It's funny to me how I think fans like a week ago had one opinion and then you said it is just three games and yeah. three games later we sort of seem to have different opinions. I know that first one didn't necessarily go but the the last two seem to have everybody sort of changing their yeah. tune again to the idea that okay, well, that's the team I remember. You know, and, and yeah, the result against Minnesota sucked. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it bluntly For there. Sure it but is. the bottom line is this team did play pretty well. For a good 55 to 56 minutes of that game. It was not unlike that one that got away from them in Minnesota on Black Friday. But to me, one of the most significant parts of this weekend, A, was the way Laurent Brossois came in and played Friday night. And, you know, it was it was kind of funny. I had put a tweet out there about remember what happened uh, against Vegas. You know, and people think, well, you know, his plays leveled off. Well, he was magnificent against Nashville on Friday night. Clutch saves at the right time. And Connor Hellebuck was very much the same way last night in Columbus. That game could have gone sideways on the on the Jets pretty easily. But Hellebuck just made one clutch save after another to keep them, for, to prevent them from having to chase the game. Things don't get any easier for the Jets. They head to Tampa for a game against the first place Lightning tomorrow night. And that continues a run of games. They've got one, two, three, four, five, six more games, including that one tomorrow night against playoff teams. Nah, Columbus is not a playoff team. Oh, Sorry. that's true. That doesn't so, Okay, so, yeah, so, so, they're so we're starting a run. Because <laughs> when they started this stretch, yeah. they were Columbus you was know, in the playoffs, right? Every team basically is a playoff team now, the way that you have to look at it if you're the Jets. Uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, not just Winnipeg and Tampa Bay fans, I think all of the hockey world is looking forward to this game tomorrow night based on what we saw in that overtime thriller at Bell MTS Place back in November. That is... Probably the best regular season game I have witnessed, at least involving the Winnipeg Jets, in the the return history of this franchise. That was just a, a superb hockey game all the way around. I need you to remind me what happened. 5-4 overtime. Jets win it against Tampa Bay. But it was back and forth all night, and it was played at an incredible pace. So we'll look forward to the Jets uh, continuing this road trip back home a week today against San Jose. Then the Boston Bruins are here. And then what could be a really big game against the Calgary Flames on the 16th. Yeah, you know, the Flames have started, you know, they had that seven-game winning streak, and then, you know, they ran into some problems against Minnesota. So will that carry over, you know, will uh, and, and uh, will first place in the Western Conference? Because both San Jose and Calgary right now are ahead of the Jets in the standings. So how many games left? For the Winnipeg Jets, yeah. uh, I have to count off the top of my head. I think it's seventeen. Yeah, don't hold me to okay. that. Yeah, yeah. They played. Well, they played sixty-five. What is it? Eighty-two. Yeah, so games seventeen. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the Jets are. You think they're in good shape as we head into the stretch? Well, I tell you what. The uh, the new players have fit in. Per Lindholm, in a very uh, supportive way, played very well in his Jets debut last night on the fourth line. You know that fourth line spent more time in neutral territory or the uh, offensive zone than they did in their end, and that's what you want out of your fourth line to make sure that they uh, have quality offensive zone minutes so that they set it up for the other three Yes or no, the two-game suspension to Adam Lowry warranted? Yes. Kelly Moore joining us live on The Start. Thank you very much, Mr. Moore. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Christian O'Mell is here, but we just got to quickly mention... 
Some breaking news out of Alberta. Earthquake? Yeah, there was a lot of people on social media this morning in the Red Deer area saying, oh, what just happened? Our whole house just shook. Well, what happened, according to Natural Resources Canada, is a 4.6 magnitude earthquake that hit central Alberta around 6 this morning their time. So we'll get more details on that throughout the day, I'm sure. But right now we want to get some details from 680 CJOB's Christian O'Mell, host of the sports show, heard weeknights 7 to 9 p.m. We have a couple of things on the docket here with you, Christian. But first and foremost, you are getting ready to hit the road for Brandon. Yes, the cruiser is packed up with all the many various things I have, and I'll be doing the show live, like you said. 7 to 9 p.m. Monday through Friday this week from the Briar at the uh, Canada Inns there attached to the Keystone Center. Keystone Center, I haven't been there, but I've seen it and I've read about it. It is massive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can pretty much get uh, get your full week's worth there without ever leaving. Uh, the, the Keystone Center, uh, what do they call it now? Um, West Toba Place? Yeah, the yeah. arena inside, I guess, is West Toba Place. The but whole complex is Brandon, Keystone. Yeah, everybody says Keystone, Keystone. Center. Anyway. And okay. those were some of the best days of my life. You used to get the hockey schedule and you'd look at where you're playing sports. Sportsplex, Kinsman Arena, The Barn, Keystone. And you'd circle always the Keystone because that's where the Brandon Wheat Kings played. And sometimes you would play after a Wheat Kings practice and get to interact with them. So growing up in Brandon, that was the place. And it's an incredible place to watch curling and to to watch hockey. It's a great venue. And from what I've seen on TV so far, the crowd's been pretty full. Uh, I know in Sydney, Nova Scotia, a lot of the shots of the crowd you would see, and it was kind of empty. But, I mean, we're in the heart bed right now. Of curling and going to Brandon, I think they're going to get great attendance all week, especially when Manitoba's playing. We saw that last night with Mike McEwen's very confounding loss to the mm. wild card team. They were winning 5 nothing when I fell asleep. They were <laughs> in the fifth end, and I guess I should have stayed awake, or maybe it was a good thing I fell asleep. Well, I was watching, and they were making every shot, and they tweeted out, oh my gosh, this team's on fire. It's only Sunday, but McEwen's out of his mind, and then immediately gave up two two threes, and uh, he was down. It was your fault. That was uh, an interesting kind of look into Mike McEwen's team because we they've had this roller coaster season so far, the ups and downs of amalgamating McEwen into Reed Carruthers' lineup. And uh, it looked like they were peaking, but again, it was just their third game, and one kind of adversity point, it all kind of fell apart. So that can't be reassuring if you're a Manitoba fan, but they've got UConn and they've got Newfoundland-Labrador the next two games. Those are very winnable games to steer the ship before they face Brad Jacobs. You've traveled for curling events before, like personally, right? Like you, yeah. you, you really enjoy it? I love curling. I've watched curling since I was a kid. Uh, I hadn't been to much curling. I went to the Briar for like a day in 2011 when it was in London, Ontario, which was a year before I started university there, or else I might have been there the whole week. And then um, my mom, stepdad, and I went to the Roar of the Rings in Ottawa, uh, in December 2017. So uh, this is almost like a, a dream for me to to cover the briar for <laughs> a week. And get paid for it. And get paid for it. I mean, I I, I would do it for free. <clears throat> Did I say that? No, no, I didn't say that. Well, uh, I've got news for you. Apparently you have to sleep in the cruiser, so that's okay. not well, all good you know news what? for you. We fold the back seats down, it's fine. You all were right. up to something else the past few months that you didn't technically get paid for, which was to try to hit every outdoor hockey rink in Winnipeg. Oh, you can't put a price on this, Loren. <laughs> I could, I think, but okay. Well, it was more I more gas in my car than I normally spend, but it was, yeah, going to every outdoor rink in Winnipeg. I did it, finished it up yesterday. How uh, many? 70 in total. Fantastic. Went into it thinking there was more than that, but uh, it's okay. The city's database wasn't the most accurate. Point is, I uh, got to see so many beautiful parts of the city, different community clubs, uh, people when it was cold out, bundling up, going for skates, not really caring about the winter, and... I think this is uh, some 
I don't go to see all 70 in a winter, but certainly if you're looking to just see a different part of the city, just pick a rink on a map and go have some fun for a couple hours. And some of them have such incredible ice, incredible oh, volunteers yeah. involved. Yeah. Yes, some of the clubs have paid yes. employees, but there's a lot the of volunteer too, yeah. efforts involved in, in keeping the ice clear and uh, building the rinks in the first place. Absolutely amazing uh, thing that you did, Christian. Congratulations. Well done. Thank you very much. Yeah, you joined me for one of those 70. Yeah, it was my honor to do so. Did and you have a favorite in the end? No, because... You don't want to get yelled at? Well, not that. It's just that so much of what makes a ring good is based on the weather, really, and it could be subjective to how the weather's been. So if it's been really sunny and nice, that rink I'm going to go to happens to be better than maybe it would have been a week ago. But there's so many that were just wonderful ice. had just been flooded and just stepping on the ice and it hasn't been touched yet, the crisp... Sound There's of the nothing, blades going through. Nothing oh, like that sound. It's so good. Of so the good. stick, the pucks, and the oh, yeah. blades. Oh, the, the creaking and the and the magic. <laughs> and I picked the best winter to do this because it will never end. <laughs> good point. <laughs> <laughs> Christian O'Mel, he's going to be in Brandon covering the Briar, hosting the CJOB Sports Show from Brandon, Manitoba, starting tonight from seven to nine on CJOB. <laughs> Happening tonight. At Bell MTS Place, President Barack Obama. We had at least one email from a listener. Why did he keep calling him president? He's not president anymore. Well, that is protocol. That is the way in the United States and other jurisdictions, but particularly in the United States, if you're a congressman, always congressman. If you've been a senator, retired or otherwise, you will still be addressed as senator and absolutely no different. In fact, it's most important in regard to president. So And you still get your travel paid for as president? You do? I think so. Oh Not my. like vacation travel, but part of there's a travel account. I was Googling this this morning because people were also saying, who's paying for this and who pays for the security? And those are still questions we don't have answers to because the RCMP are involved as part of the security detail. Perhaps the Winnipeg police might be for roadblocks or others for his blockade. But yeah, he has a an expense account for travel that does not include vacations. So if he's doing things for work or for country, that would be covered by Washington or taxpayers, really. I don't know where this one falls. And he's probably got a little bit of secret service protection. Well, you get that for life, I think. Yes, you do. And so, uh, and the estimates that I have seen is that Barack Obama receives 400000 U.S. dollars per speaking engagement. Wow. So that's uh, a big nut. Yeah, he is. It's a lucrative gig indeed. And earlier this morning, if you want to hear the full chat, we spoke with Lauren Remillard, president of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce at 737. We wanted to just bring you a couple of minutes of that conversation on why this is a big deal for our city. And also for the people who get to actually meet him tonight. There's a few, select few, who will get to have a meet and greet with the president. The rest of us will just be there listening. But these guys might get to say, what's up? Is there a no selfie rule? Uh, that would be one of them. There is a professional photographer in the room, so uh, we'll we'll keep those photos professional and leave the selfie sticks at home. And in terms of getting to be a part of this VIP meet and greet, is this one of those things where you had to kind of shell out some extra cash, or uh, how did that work? Again, you know, there are various organizations as a chamber that we work extensively with partners and supporters. Uh, some of those kind of considerations go into play, definitely. But uh, as you can imagine, that's another one of those areas that we're really not at liberty to divulge. We are pleased, though, that one of the things that's very important to the Chamber is that 
we look at this opportunity as a great opportunity for our city, in particular for our youth. I mean, really, the president's presidency really spoke to engaging and empowering the youth. And as many people have learned, we do have a number of students that will be participating in this, thanks to the support of uh, the Johnson Group, Dave Angus, and uh, working with the Chamber. We were pleased to make this happen, and we just know how excited those kids are to have to meet the president. So obviously the the number of children or young people in the audience will be somewhat limited, not for any other reason than the, the t- tickets were, were were fairly expensive. What is the other benefit to the community of hosting an event like this, Lauren, it, it, other than the wow factor and the star, star power? You know, when other events take a look at, is Winnipeg an event that can host an event of this magnitude? Do they have the support, corporate support, ticket support? Is there an energy and a buzz in the community? Each time we do one of these events, it makes the next event possible. And I remember when we first brought, for example, uh, uh, Senator Hillary Clinton in just prior to her announcing her run for presidency, uh, people were ecstatic, couldn't believe Winnipeg got Hillary Clinton. And again, events like that, events like bringing in Richard Branson, make all that possible to be able to go after a speaker of the magnitude of President Barack Obama. So the benefit to our city is, of course, the today. We know we're going to have a number of tours coming into town to attend the event. But as well, the further events that we're now going to be able to go out and say, hey, we can host President Barack Obama, I think we can host your event. Lauren Remillard, President of the Winnipeg Chamber of Commerce. We spoke with him at 7.37 this morning. What were you saying, that uh, Michelle Obama gets about $800,000 per speaking well, engagement? Well, I had someone text me and say that, and I've looked it up, and that is a number that's floating around out wow. there. I don't know if they ever really confirm what they pay someone, but you looked you at could the... Try, you could try and book them, I suppose, and then, right. then you'd find out. Well, there's... A... <laughs> can, 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 can Michelle can Obama come, come to my 42nd birthday? birthday party that yeah. is great I, I would also like her and skid row and then i would be happy skid oh, row yeah i'd enjoy you that you could get them for a lot less yeah, than like, you, you might get grand? them for eight thousand dollars maybe four thousand poison first i would now, put you want, poison then skid row do you want with sebastian bach or without sebastian no bach? with sebastian bach unless has he done something controversial that i'm not aware of uh, well he's done some work on broadway and i don't think he talks to the skid row guy so you might have to Pay extra. Just Sebastian Bach? Maybe, yeah, he performs with solo, so maybe you want, might want to go that way. But I inquired about getting Sammy Hagar to play my 50th birthday. <laughs> I'm still waiting for an answer seven really? months later. Who did you inquire with? I just wanted with? to know. Like, his booking agent. And you haven't heard back? No, I just wanted to know. Jackie's aware of this request? Oh, gosh, She's no. put aside some money to funnel into Sammy Hagar. Well, we'd have to sell our house, and, and then we could make that happen. <laughs> no, It'd be great. It'd be he fantastic. wouldn't cost that much. I bet you he's, I bet you he's close to hundred grand. Wasn't Sebastian Bach on the Trailer Park Boys? May have been. Yeah, actually, yeah, he was. He appeared on the Trailer Park Boys. Uh, I can't remember the full context of that, but yeah, he was in two episodes. Two episodes. Uh, two episodes in the, their 2014 season. <laughs> That's awesome. At the very least. So yeah, 18 in Life. That's a great song. That's what I'm saying. I would only want two songs and then get out. 18 in Life, Remember Yesterday, Bye. See you Just later. Just get him to do it on Skype. That'd be much more economical, I think. <laughs> Could you imagine? Can't can't fly you in for the big big deal. But Gather on the big screen TV here, and we have a one laptop in my house with the screen is like eleven inches. <laughs> Worst party ever. So you're going to be at <laughs> the, the conversation with Barack Obama tonight. So I then like how you, you're trying to bring this back are, around. No, no, no. <laughs> sort of. Are you trying to in. save the segment? No, I'm not. <laughs> I want to know though. The question: Are you going to ask 
Obama the question, is it true your wife gets twice as much money as you do for these things? Well, we don't get to meet him. We're 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 media. Uh, but if anyone's listening and is at the meet and greet and you have the chutzpah to fire that out there, do it. What I would ask him, if I could ask him one question, it would be to find out a little bit more about his about his interaction and his lack of action on what's been happening in Flint, Michigan with their water situation. Now, Michael Moore, his movie Fahrenheit 11.9 references it and says that according to his movie, and you know how Michael Moore can edit things to, to suit his narrative. According to him, Barack Obama did once upon a time come to Flint, did the whole, whole drinking of the water and reassured everyone that the water was just fine. I would like to know if he would like to have a mulligan on that one and do that one over because it didn't seem very Barack Obama-ish to do what he did according to Michael Moore's movie. And just a heads up as well, uh, and Jeff Braun was telling you about this in Global News this morning about a serious incident in the Daniel McIntyre neighborhood this morning, the 700 block of McGee, which was blocked off. We have a release from Winnipeg Police that they just sent us a couple of moments ago uh, that there will be information released this morning after 11.30 regarding a homicide investigation and ensuing officer-involved shooting wow. in the 700 block of McGee. So that will be the fourth officer-involved shooting of the year. Um, not clear not clear who the, the homicide victim is or if that was at the hands of an officer's gun or if that was somebody else and then there was a shooting following that incident. But that will be the fourth time that they've had to talk about a officer-involved shooting since that'd January 1st. That'll be twice in nine days? Right. We, we had that uh, last weekend as well, correct? Yes. Well. 9.15 on 680 CJOB. We're going to have a look at your forecast. It's supposed to be a windy day today. In the meantime, I believe we have some skid row coming in here. Is this 18 in life, McNabb? Is it? Yeah. Oh, this is. Oh, it's, yeah. Your, uh, it's your uh, 19th birthday present. And then when you try to <laughs> sing along to it, you're like, oh, boy. This is high. He's good. He's good. Yeah, you his, can't get up his, there. Uh, his brother was uh, drafted by the Phoenix Coyotes once upon a time. Someone's really? just telling me that Sebastian Bach had a recurring character in the Gilmore Girls. And I used to watch that show, and I'm not... So, do you know what he's talking about, or she? No, I didn't watch the Gilmore Girls. Oh, so. you should. You should. Okay. I feel like you could really enjoy that. Get in touch with your inner feelings. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.